If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. Let's talk about Mary and appearances by Mary. This, like in history. In history, yes. This fascinates me. Since she uh, died or since she was assumed or whatever, people have claimed that they've seen Mary, that they've, that they've you know, Mary appeared to me. She appeared on the wall. I just saw one on Facebook or something. Uh, she appeared to be on the wall of this little church in Africa someplace. Yeah. And people were all excited, you know. So, so there's just the technical name of this, at least from a technical standpoint, are called Marian apparitions. Marian apparitions. Or appearances, yeah. Right. Okay. So they, these things bother me. And my, pro, my Protestant friends and I have taken lots of cheap shots. And I expect <clears throat> nothing less of you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> just like James Taylor said, it's just like a friend to hit me from behind. Right? <laughs> right. Um, so these things bother me. And for a couple of reasons, um, the first being that they're so hard to verify. Uh, in fact, I would say I would say impossible to verify. Anybody can say that they saw something and how do you know if it's true? And then what would be the point anyway? Okay. Do I not have the Bible? Do I not have, uh, if I'm a Catholic apostolic tradition, what's even the point? But if, if Mary is going to appear, okay, why is it so weird? Why does it have to be weird? Like if she has the ability to appear to people and the permission from God to appear to people, why does it have to be on a piece of toast or, or only <laughs> a to a couple of yeah. kids or maybe a statue crying or something? What, like, like if hearing from her is so important that, that she does it, that she appears, why doesn't she just show up and say, hi, I'm Mary. Here's a message from God. That seems like so simple. Of course, God never does that to me, for me either. And uh, anyway, so, in, and, and since my involvement in the charismatic movement all these years ago, I'm really reluctant to believe anything like that. And, and certainly not to change my life or order my life because of something like that, an apparition. There's, I have... I have the word of God. I have apostolic tradition. I have all these things. What do I, why would Mary bother to do that? And if Mary would bother to do that, and if God would allow her to, why isn't it, why isn't it more direct? Right. right? I, right. That's kind of my whole, that's my whole rant right, right there. Okay. So let's talk about Mary and apparitions. All right. And I want to be very clear. I want to start by talking about the doctrine of Mary and apparitions because the Catholic church has a doctrinal category for this. Okay. And it's probably not what Protestants think. Well, okay? almost surely not. So the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which, as we've said before, is organized in paragraphs, and I right. want to cite the paragraph, Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 65, right up at the beginning of the uh, Catechism, 
says that God has said everything that needs to be said, right, in his word, okay? So I'm going to actually quote these sentences, all right? Paragraph 65, Catechism of the Catholic Church. In many and various ways, God spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Christ, the son of God made man, is the father's one perfect and insurpassable word. In him, he has said everything. There will be no other word other than this one. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, the Catholic Church is very clear that there's no new revelation. Right. Okay? The very next paragraph, paragraph 66, says, the Christian economy, therefore, since it is the new and definitive covenant, will never pass away. And no new public revelation is to be expected before the glorious manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Yep. So there is no new revelation. There is no, our new new books of the Bible. There is no further, right? um, Right. uh, Supernatural revelation from God. Period. Okay? Public revelation. So for my Protestant friends who would say the Catholic Church with these appearance of Mary and Mary showing up is, because one of the arguments is that this is new revelation. Right. Right? It's not. I could not be more clearly said there. But now you go to paragraph 67. So I just read 65, 66, and 67. Right. Or 65 and 66. Now let me read the 67. Throughout the ages, there have been so-called, and it uses scare quotes here, quotation marks, so-called private revelations, some of which have been recognized by the authority of the church. They do not belong, do not belong, however, to the deposit of faith. It is not their role to improve or complete Christ's definitive revelation, but to help live more fully by it in a certain period of history. Guided by the magisterium of the church, um, we know how to discern and welcome these private revelations whenever or in whichever ways they they are authentic or they call us back to Christ. Mm -hmm. So, you come talk about the Pentecostal tradition. Right. Right. How many times, whether in the Pentecostal church or just in standard evangelicalism, have you said, I feel like the Lord spoke to me? Right. Sure. Or somebody says, you know, I really feel like I have a word from the Lord, or I really feel like the Lord is leading me, or, you know, I went on a prayer retreat and I just feel like God spoke to me. Right. And, or, right. I mean, Protestantism is full of this. And these are private revelations. Now, no one, this is where, you know, even like the Pentecostal movement gets into trouble. I don't dispute that you may have, that the Lord may have spoken to you. And I don't dispute that Pastor Bob gets up and says, I really feel like I've been in prayer and the Lord spoke to me and told me that we should, you know, build a building or we should do this or we should do that, right? But that's not public revelation. That isn't the the authority of scripture. It may or may not be true. And I may think that Pastor Bob is credible and... And, and right. say, you know, you know, maybe the, the Holy Spirit is leading Pastor Bob in some way or gave him some, you know, information. So, so Catholicism has this same category. And the reason I'm saying all this is when it comes to Marian apparitions, the Catholic Church classifies Marian apparitions as private revelation, 
much in the same way than the Protestant church, you would say the Holy Spirit okay, spoke sure. to me or led yep. me, or you know, we were having a prayer session and we felt like the Spirit led us right. this way or that way. And actually, if you look in scripture, you know, you see some of these things. Famously, Paul in the book of Acts, at one point uh, when he's traveling about, he speaks about it, that he saw in a dream a man from Macedonia saying to come over here, and Paul went over to Philippi in Macedonia, right? right? So the notion that, in some sense, God speaks to us in private ways, not to add to Scripture, not to create new public revelation, but speaks to us and guides us, and in some cases appears to us or whatever, that's not a new idea. I, I, I in... The church world, many times I've heard people in the Protestant world talk about, hey, I really, we really felt like we felt like we heard Jesus, or in some cases, you'll hear stories about, I felt like I saw Jesus. Right. Right. I mean, you've heard these stories, right? right? So Catholicism with Marian apparitions isn't introducing a new category of revelation or introducing something that competes with the word of God. But it is the notion that God sometimes gives private revelations. Now, the difference between the Protestant and the Catholic side of this is that instead of just the Holy Spirit showing up, it's, it's a private revelation uh, through an appearance of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I get that there's a difference there, but the Catholic claim to truth on it is not necessarily different. That appearance of the Blessed Virgin Mary does not, rise to the level of scripture revelation and we're not required to believe in them okay it's okay. not part of the deposit of faith so if there's a marian apparition i'll get into some of these in a moment especially the, the major ones throughout history <clears throat> the most famous our lady of guadalupe mm-hmm. in mexico in the 16th century you know i don't have to believe in that i can be a good catholic and say i just I, it doesn't rise to the level of faith because it's not what my confession of faith it's not what uh, it's not the deposit of faith and saving faith. It's right. an interesting thing, yep. and it's worthy of belief, maybe, but it's not part of the Catholic faith. Okay, so okay, I mean, yep. I'm beating okay. this to death, but does that no, make it all make good. sense to you? It's important. We'll get back to the conversation in just a few moments, but first, I'd like to ask for your support in producing and expanding this podcast. It's produced by a 501c3 nonprofit ministry called One Whirling Adventure, with a mission to excite and educate people about historic Catholic Christianity and to equip them to live, share, and defend it in the 21st century. Now, the production budget of this podcast isn't big, but it is real. We've set a goal of 40,000 worldwide downloads in 2023 with a crowdfunding goal of $35,000 to make that happen. Would you help us make that happen? If so, please go to consideringcatholicism.com. You can see our GuideStar charity rating there and donate online with a one-time or recurring gift. And if you have a business or organization interested in sponsoring our ministry, please shoot me an email, greg at consideringcatholicism.com. Thank you for listening and considering helping us to help others consider Catholicism. And now, back to the conversation. Okay, so, so now, now your questions then, 
why Mary instead of uh, God speaking directly or sending right. Jesus or the Holy Spirit? Well, again, this goes back to the episodes that we've uh, had where we talk about the communion of the saints, yep. that the saints are, are a living part of our community, right? You know, and, and again, we, we talked in those sessions about how the saints stand before the throne room of God and they intercede for us. I mean, the book of Hebrews tells us that the saints cheer us on and intercede for us. And so it's reasonable to believe that with God's permission at various times, we may have one or more of the saints speak to us or appear or whatever. That's, that's private revelation and why the blessed Virgin Mary, as opposed to whoever, well, let's go back to how the Catholic Church understands Mary and her role. And that is partly, not only is she the mother of Jesus, but she's our mother. And when you and I have talked about Mary before yep. in some other episodes, and one of the implications is that she's our mother. So when Jesus is on the cross right before he you know, breathes his last, one of the last things he does is John the Apostle John and Mary are standing at the foot of the cross, and he says to them, John, behold your mother, Mary, behold mm-hmm. your son. And one of the understandings is not only is he providing materially for Mary, after he dies, John will right. sort of you know, take care of his mom, you know, provide yep. for her needs, her material needs, but also in John, we are represented because she is the mother to Christ and we are part of the body of Christ. And right. John, right, as one of the apostles stands in, she in a sense becomes our right. mother. She becomes a kind of a mother to the church. Sure. And she has this sort of maternal role with the life of the faithful. Uh, that doesn't make her God. It doesn't make her a goddess. It doesn't make any of those kinds of claims true. But of all the saints, of, of all the people that God has created, she is most our mother and the mother to the church. So it is natural that not only does she have a maternal concern for us, but that mm-hmm. we look to her mm-hmm. in, in the role of a mother to give us guidance or assurance or to comfort us mm-hmm. just in the way that, yeah, a mother would sure. come. So all of this is to give some context in talking about the Marian apparitions. What do they, what do they mean? Uh, what is their status? Uh, why Mary? I can't say why Mary would appear or not appear at any given particular time. That's above, you know, certainly my pay grade to say. Right. But what I want to say is the fact that Mary may make herself known to provide comfort or guidance is is a Catholic notion, and, and in my mind, it's entirely reasonable. I don't even find that difficult to believe. Now, let's talk about all of these appearances, because there's thousands and thousands of claims, and I laugh with you, too. You know, I used to laugh at this stuff. You know, Mary appeared in a tortilla. Mary, I remember right. I, when I was in, living in L.A. in the early 90s, uh, in a section of Los Angeles, there was a, a claim at that time that was only a couple miles from our house that there was like stucco, peeling stucco on the side of a house and it looked like the Virgin Mary. And I mean, it was like hundreds or thousands of cars over the course of three or four days drove past this house to look at Mary in the stucco. And I was a young, um, just out of seminary, Protestant Calvinist pastor, and we all had a pretty good chuckle at all the idiot 
Catholics driving by to look at Mary in the stucco. When I was working for the big evangelical church, a woman who sang with us pranked one of the, a uh, friend of ours, uh, you know her, um, pranked the woman who was uh, answering the phones and said, she disguised her voice and said, I was, I need to talk to a pastor. And this woman's job was to like run interference, right? So she says, well, what is this about? And she said, um, I was taking communion and I spilled the wine, the grape juice on my blouse and it dried in the form of Mother Mary. And I want to know if that's important. So I need to talk to a pastor. <laughs> and it was at the time we all really had a big laugh over it because, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. The, the fact that people claim to have seen a Marian apparition doesn't mean that it's true and it doesn't even believe, mean that the Catholic Church believes it's true. Right. So there are thousands and thousands of these kinds of claims and there is a process that the Catholic Church engages in to investigate and determine whether or not, it can never prove that they're true, but right. it can determine whether they are worthy sure. claims. So think about other kinds of claims, whether it's, you know, people seeing Bigfoot or UFOs or right. whatever, right? You know, you're going to have some guy who says, I saw, you know, the Loch Ness Monster, or I saw Bigfoot, or I saw a UFO, and you're going to investigate, and most of those are going to turn out to be bogus, right? right? And depending on, you know, your belief system, of course, you may say, well, there's a few of them that we can't explain and, and seem, right. you know, more credible, right? Uh, and so in the same way, the Catholic Church, when a claim of a Marian apparition arises, it is investigated. And there's a process for that investigation, which we won't get into right now. But it's a little bit like, you know, when we've talked about the saints and how saints are canonized, there's a long process by right. which somebody right. is investigated sure. and... And there's sort of a rigorous investigation and research, and it goes through, you know, uh, they're, they're, they go through beatification and, you know, canonization process of multi-stages yep. and all yep. these things. Uh, there's a similar process here whereby things are investigated and researched and there's cri specific criteria applied and sure. witnesses are interviewed and a thousand other things. The same thing with the verification of miracles. And again, you know, when we come to miracles, you know, certainly Protestant, most Protestants will believe in those. And certainly the Pentecostal church will talk about so-and-so was healed or this right. or that. But you would have a rigorous investigation. This person claims that they're, can they, you know, they're cancer-free. Right. And so you would investigate. The Catholic church does that too, you know, investigates claims of miracles. So claims of Marian apparitions are investigated and, and, and uh, according to specific criteria. And 99.9% .9 of them Mm -hmm. are determined as no evidence or, uh, you know, the, the church will very rarely say something is negatively, like say it didn't happen. What they'll right. usually, because the church, right, the Catholic church is a Chestertonian quote from G.K. Chesterton where he says the Catholic church is no institution that spent 2,000 years thinking about thinking. And it was the right. Catholic church that invented the scientific method and all these sort of things. So when logic, all the logical categories so what they can say is you can't prove the negative. You, I can't prove that she didn't appear. I can only say that there's no evidence for her to appear or that this yep. apparition, there's no credible evidence for it. I can't prove it not. Now, there, right. there are some cases where they will say, uh, they'll issue what's called a negative judgment where they'll say, we think this is fraud because upon our investigation, we determined right. that the person was lying. So now we just determine this is fraud. But a lot of them, they'll just say, there's no judgment. 
like we, we, we see no evidence to that provides credibility to this. Right. Uh, but then what they'll do is they'll have this, ca- these, this related categories. They'll have um, degrees, a sense, a sense almost degrees of confidence. And you get to the highest level of that and you'll get something called positive judgment approved with widespread liturgical veneration by the Holy See, which would be the papacy. Okay. Okay. So this would be the highest category of Marian apparition that after enormous investigation and interviews and of not only the people involved, but everything, uh, the circumstances around it, the related effects, usually over generations, you know, did this lead in a weird place or whatever, Mm -hmm. what kind of thing. And the highest category is called approved as a Marian apparition with widespread liturgical veneration endorsed by the Holy See, meaning it is legitimate for us to go to this place and say prayers and kneel right, okay, and sure. masses and all that and to recognize. And so here's the fun thing. How many, and I think my Protestant friends would assume that there's thousands of these. So in the last 2,000 years, how many Marian apparitions do you think received that highest seal of approval? See, then I would, I would have to say... 50 or 100, that would, be my, that would be my guess, right? Six. Six? Six. Wow. You can find on the internet the different lists. Some will say five, six, because it has to do with those gradations of approval. But it's very, very few. So we have Our Lady of Guadalupe in 1531. Mm-hmm. So in 1531, this is 10 years after uh, the Spanish under Cortez defeat the Aztecs. <clears throat> And they're in Mexico City. And um, there's a long story, but uh, there's a, a, a Mexican uh, or an Aztec peasant named Juan Diego. And he sees this apparition of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And he goes to the local bishop. And again, this is 10 years after the fall of the Aztecs. And he says, I, this lady appeared to me. He doesn't know who she is, but this woman appeared to me. And here's what she said to me. And there's a whole story we don't have to get into. And what he, she told me was to build a church on the location where she appeared and that people would come. So anyway, after back and forth with the bishop or whatever, eventually a church was built there. And the, 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 the place was our Guadalupe, whatever, it's out in Mexico City, a hill. And, um, and what happened is over the next 15 to 20 years, millions, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of, of people in the new world were converted to Catholicism and they came in huge numbers. Yeah. And to this day, I mean, this is the, the picture of Mary that you see like in Mexico all the time where she's sort of standing in this Mm -hmm. kind of halo. It's like a real part of Mexican culture. But she's also been declared the patroness of the Americas by St. John Paul II, Pope John Paul II. And really it was her appearance there that right after the Spanish had, had come that really led to the conversion of the Americas. And so she's the patroness of the Americas. And all she ever did was say, build a church here and worship right. my son. And, you know, the rest is history. Sure. Then you had, uh, you know, a couple of others. And like I said, five or six, depending on the gradation. 
Uh, but one of the most other, a couple of the most famous ones were Our Lady of Lourdes. So this is 1858 in France, in southern France, in the Pyrenees. And that's a, a remarkable story. There was a, a, a young girl, uh, I don't know, eight or nine years old, 10 years old, uh, named Bernadette. And she's living in this really poor section of town uh, in this city or small town in. And she's essentially living in, the, in a, the garbage dump, you know, this, this kind of decaying little town and her family is incredibly poor. They live in this, like 12 people in this little hut and she's out basically gathering firewood and trash and whatever. And she sees this lady and she, all that Bernadette ever said was that she saw a lady and that this lady said, I am the Immaculate Conception. And then she said, uh, build a church here and worship my son. Uh, uh, and the multitudes will come. And to this day, millions and millions of people come to Lourdes. Mm. And you had a few of these, Our Lady of Fatima in 1917 in Portugal. This is where uh, World War I is raging. Mm-hmm. And uh, three young shepherd children in rural Portugal see a lady who tells them to turn to worship of her son and to pray the rosary. And, you know, there was, you know, you can read about the story, but it has led to millions and millions of people turning to Christ. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about all of these appearances that receive this kind of level of verification is, you know, all the true Marian appearances are always about Christ. Because this is the thing about Mary. Mary has no glory in herself. She's, you know, the example that's often used is she's like yeah. the moon. The moon can only reflect the sun's light. Yep. All Mary does is reflect the light of her son and draw attention back to him. So one of the ways that the Vatican or the church will investigate these things and see to determine the authenticity of these private revelations is what are they about? Do they draw attention yeah. to Mary or is it about her? Does it, does it, does, does this apparition uh, this private revelation claim things that are contrary to scripture because Mary would never claim anything contrary to her son or contrary to scripture. She would only right. direct people back to sure. her son. And, uh, and what about the people who claim to have seen her? Are they people that are somehow using this to draw attention sure. to themselves? Sure. And when you look at these few instances, there are always cases where usually a, a poor person who gains nothing by it, Right. Has this encounter and that encounter, all that Mary does is show up and say, turn to my son and, and, and calls them and comforts them, encourages them to worship her son, Jesus. And, and it, you, and it, and it becomes transformational. And then you start to see the effects of that in the lives of the people where that happened and sure. subsequent in the Vatican will then sometimes say, sometimes years or decades or whatever later, look at this. Look at the fruit of it. Look yeah. at the fruit of it. And so, uh, so these are the cases of these, these uh, and there are others, and we're actually going to try this fall to do some, uh, I mentioned recently, we're going to try to organize a pilgrimage here in the uh, upper Midwest United mm-hmm. States, in the Great Lakes area, where we're going to go to... Um, see a number of uh, Catholic sites. One of them is uh, a, a site of a Marian apparition near Green Bay, Wisconsin, to a 
to a poor immigrant nun in the 19th century. But what's interesting about that is that one has not risen to that highest level. Yeah. It has given a given a positive judgment like this is credit this is this is there's nothing uh disqualifying about this and right. this is worthy of coming and seeing but there's no verification of it. So it, it occupies that sort of middle tier status of approval. Uh, and there are those, but the, some of the crazy, all this crazy stuff you hear, like I saw a list, uh, a spreadsheet actually recently, and it had all of the claims of Marian apparitions just in the United States in the last hundred years. And there were like 800 of them Wow, that were investigated. And of those 800, do you know how many were uh, given a positive judgment? Zero. Zero. Right. So, so that's why this kind of stuff, um, it gets a lot of news and it gets a lot of mockery from Protestants. But again, I can't tell you the number of Protestant friends I have that believe in UFOs. (laughs) Right. And the arguments I get into yeah. them with them about, you know, the, the you know, tic-tac UFO that the Navy fighter jet supposedly saw on right. is probably whatever. Mm-hmm. So in the same way that people are going to make claims and some people are going to believe in claims for which there is middle or no evidence or credibility. I mean, obviously, you know, there are going to be people who say they saw Mary in the stucco or in the right. piece of toast. And, and, and who knows? At some level, the church isn't is in most cases not saying we we you know we're we're saying this person's a liar unless there's evidence they're lying. But in in most cases, they're going to go shrug. The church is shrugging its shoulders in the same way that my Protestant friends would say. I really feel like the Holy Spirit told right. me this. And you go mm, okay, right? You yeah. and I have talked about this because of our life in churches where we had pastors come and say. Yeah, the Lord told told me this, or right. I heard this from the Lord, and you're like, "Well, he didn't tell me, right?" Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I don't know. Maybe, maybe he did. And a lot of that is, uh, you know, the the tree is known by its fruits, right? It's born out. Sure. So the pastor who comes and says, "The Lord is telling us to build a big new building," or "The Lord is telling us to launch this new ministry or this new mission trip," or "The Lord is telling me that we should." you know, do such and such, or the church that says, we really feel like the God's telling us to split off and form a new church or whatever. There's all these kinds of claims and, you know, you're going to evaluate those claims. And in the same way, you're going to have people who come and say, I feel like we were in a, a mass or a worship service or on a retreat or taking a walk in the woods. And I felt like this presence and I saw this light and I think it was the Virgin Mary. And I go, well, the church's position is going to be, well, we don't know what to say. I mean, maybe, I guess. I mean, we can't, we have no way to investigate that unless you're proven a liar, but it has very little credibility as a private level revelation. But again, in the same way you would say, like I I shared recently, uh, I think in the last episode, I was talking about uh, 25 years ago, sitting in the beehive huts on Skellig Michael, feeling like the Lord was telling me to, right. you know, start down the road to Rome and become Catholic. And I, I feel like that bore out in my life. What the Lord told right. me on that beehive hut, it took, you know, 20 years, but, or whatever right. it was, or 18 years. But, but in the end, um, I feel like the Lord's said something to me, but I, I, I don't expect the church to verify that. Right. So, and again, so all I'm trying to say is that these Marian apparitions, there are a small number of them that the church has historically deemed 
uh, worthy of belief, worthy of, it's, it's a worthy thing to travel to the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico City. It's a worthy thing to travel to Lourdes, France. Right. And when you go there, you can do a mass and you can, you know, ask, uh, ask the Lord through Mary and Mary, and Mary to pray for you that you get healed from cancer or whatever. Right. Um, and you may or you may not. And there's... There, but there's a very small number of those. Uh, but on the other hand, these private revelations occupy a space where, you know, most of them are, you know, a shoulder shrug from the church. Right. Yeah. That really helps. I, I, um, I'm asking myself, okay, if I was in charge of these appearances, these apparitions, I wouldn't send one of these apparitions to anybody who who could possibly gain from it like like a religious figure like a, like a priest or 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 somebody uh in the clergy in the catholic church because then uh, the claim could be made well they're doing that to you know further their own well, career or whatever there have yeah. been cases in, in in some cases where the church has issued a negative judgment so you know you're gonna have people who right. claim they saw bigfoot or they claim they saw right. a UFO and then they're gonna set up a souvenir stand and they're gonna profit from it and write right. a book and you know whatever right. and you're gonna have people out there and there have been people out there that claim some private right. revelation both in the Protestant world I claim that God told me to do this and that and you're all right. supposed to the, the sure? TV preacher that says you're supposed to send me money because right. God told me you're right. supposed to send me money there's gonna be people out there who say hey you know the Virgin Mary appeared to us and now we're selling tickets to come over and see the stucco house. Right. 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 And th that happens. Uh, I think that happened with the stucco house. The people started wanting to charge $5. Right. That is, my memory is a little vague. Like I said, this was the early nineties right. and I was living in LA and I remember we thought it was funny, but eventually the people who owned the house where they thought she was in right. stucco or whatever were saying, Hey, it costs $5 to come in and see right. her. And then, you know, you can look at that and then clearly the church goes, and I think the Catholic Church said, this is ridiculous and right. stop doing this, right? Um, you've undermined your own credibility. Right. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there aren't, you know, legitimate sure. and authentic claims. You know, there, one of them is, was in Ireland, uh, Our Lady of Knock. It was a small town in Ireland during a time when things in Ireland, uh, you know, were, <laughs> you know, going through tough times there. This was 1879. And... Uh, during uh, a, a very tough time in, in Western Ireland, there was an appearance by the Blessed Virgin Mary in a church. Uh, they saw her, you know, some children and villagers saw what they believed was an appearance. Yeah. And she said nothing. She didn't say anything. Uh, people just started coming and praying. And eventually everybody in the village came over and other people came over and they saw her. And she, they did nothing. They just knelt and prayed. And ever since then, um, you know, that led to a revival, essentially led to a revival. Look, you know, revival is a big thing in the Protestant church. You know, we're, sure. in the news recently has been the Asbury revival yeah. down in yep. right, Kentucky or whatever, where all of a sudden, you know, people are showing up and saying the Holy Spirit showed up and all these college students are right. praying because the Holy Spirit showed up. Well, in the same way, in essence, like you look at Knock or some of these cases, Mary shows up and essentially prompts a revival, to put it in right. Protestant terms. And the church judged Our Lady of Knock as one of those few with that highest status because, again, you looked at what happened. It didn't contradict 
you know, the right. truths of the faith. It uh, it turned people back to her son. Uh, the people involved didn't profit from it. Investigations right. are had about bore great fruit, and they say, you know, so John Paul II said, hey, it's it's fine. You know, if you go to Ireland, you can go to right. you know the Basilica of Our Lady of Knock, and that's the name of the town, and and uh, and prayer, say a prayer, and attend mass, and and right. pray for her intervention. So, or intercession. So these are the things that um, the church does. And I get it. I get it. It seems silly when you see people claiming that they saw her in the stucco or the tortilla or whatever. But on the other hand, the endless mockery when I was in that world of the TV evangelical TV preachers. Right. And the crazy, I mean, you can go after that thing. The crazy, crazy televangelist wacky right. stuff. So like people are going to be people and there's always going right. to be wacky charlatans and sure. wacky stuff that happens. And I don't think that it's fair. I never thought it was fair when I was an evangelical for people to criticize evangelical belief because there were some charlatans on a TV sure. show because yeah. they're charlatans on a TV show and that doesn't indict the the, the truth claims of well like you said you know uh and one of the recent podcasts that you know you can it's not fair to take the worst of one thing of the other of the uh, enemy and uh, the opposition and then and then take the best of ours right. and then and then it's not fair yeah, yeah yeah and so so yeah are there some wacky people who claim to seem the virgin mary like they've seen bigfoot yeah i suppose but there's other people who <clears throat> feel like Our Lady has spoken in their lives and it's led to right. revival. And there's a few, a ha- handful of rare cases throughout history where something truly extraordinary happened. And yep. the church says, you know, this is, this is worthy of belief, but none of it rises to the category right. of scripture. Of course, yeah. 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 Okay, good Thanks, stuff. Ed. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the Church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com. And email me to let me know what you think. Greg at consideringcatholicism.com.